want to welcome you all into episode 43 of Trojan Talk. It's been a while since we've been on. Uh, we've had a lot of stuff going on at TA. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I first want to introduce uh, my co-host. We have Josh Pulsifer joining us and Cole Purvis. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. I, I'm ready for some uh, Florida weather there, oh, if there anyone knows anything about Florida weather. <laughs> So the, the right, right at my next point there. So uh, Jeff Christianberry, uh, unfortunately, is leaving. Well, not even leaving. He already has left Thornton Academy. Um, he found a great opportunity at a uh, private academy called Out of Door Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's going to be, the, I believe, the director of communications down there. Yep. Great for him. Uh, but that means we had a seat open on Trojan Talk, and we knew who we were going to bring. It's Josh Pulsfer, as always. So he'll be joining us for the rest of Trojan Talk for the year. And I'm assuming you guys will keep this going once I'm gone oh, yeah. next we're year. We're going to make you zoom in next year. Yeah, so okay. yeah, you're right. not Sounds done yet good. either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've got lots to talk about as, again, we've been off for a couple of weeks, and we'll start with basketball as both teams unfortunately lost in the regional final this past weekend. It was uh, a fantastic game and uh, a great season for them, but unfortunately lost. I know I was there. Cole, I know you were there too. I'm not sure if you got to watch the game. I watched all the games. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So we can all talk about this. My first question for you guys is what were your thoughts on the regional final games, first for boys and then, and then for girls? Well, you know, start with the boys. We knew that they had some flaws coming in. They didn't play a great second half of the season. Of course, you have Will and Braden, and when you have those guys, you can win a state championship easily. But you look at some of the games where they lost to Bonnie Eagle, one of the last games of the regular season, and they nearly lost to Sanford, who is the second-worst team in AA South. So there were a lot of problems on this team, especially defensively, and finishing at the rim was such a big thing. But... For South Portland, everything broke right for them in those two days, the regional semifinals and the regional finals. When you think about it, Scarborough, they upset Gorham, so they go in to play South Portland, and South Portland gets a fairly easy game against mm -hmm. the Scarborough mm -hmm. Red Storm. Just no stress at all. They beat them by 20-plus. And then TA has the game right after that, and what we'll talk about, we'll circle back to the Bonnie Eagle game in a second because <laughs> we, we got to talk about that. Yeah. But TA has as stressful a game as you could possibly, possibly have, mm -hmm. and South Portland comes in well-rested. TA does not. Um, both teams off a of back-to-back. And for South Portland, the moment I knew they were going to win the game is when their role players, their bench players, started hitting threes. Mm -hmm. um, some of their guys that maybe don't get many minutes. I know Heffernan, who he's a good baseball player, he hit a three, and then he had a huge block as well. Yep. Mm -hmm. And when players like that are making plays, your team is just clicking, and that's when I knew South Portland was probably going to come out on top. Um, yeah, we'll get to the girls in a second, but the boys, it was a tough loss for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think two couple of things that really hurt TA's boys basketball team down the stretch. Um, Number one, right, in the first half of the season, they were averaging, like, over 60 points a game. Yeah. And then the second half of the season, what ended up happening was teams really switched to a zone defense against them, and that absolutely threw them for a loop. They really struggled against zone teams. And then you saw that in the Bonnie Eagle game, and then, of course, in the South Portland game, it was really just like a simple 2-3 zone. It wasn't anything too complex, but it just didn't work well with what, how TA liked to run their offense. And then the second thing, teams did a much better job in the second half of the season was they really slowed down TA's uh, fast-paced offense. You know, TA likes to get moving. They've got the athletes to do that but unfortunately uh teams did a really good job slowing down their fast-paced offense and that you saw that in the in the in the playoff game especially against south portland they just really couldn't generate any offense and it, it just shut down and then obviously they, they played all right defensively i don't think mm -hmm. defensively they had any issues in the playoffs or even in the second half of the season it just offensively didn't click um you know we had one of the best players in the state will davies obviously hit a one of the most 
talked about shots uh, in Maine high school basketball in recent memory. We can certainly talk about that here. But, uh, you know, it was a definitely, I would say, a disappointing season. You don't say that too often, making a regional final, yet having a disappointing end. Um, and so certainly I'm sure uh, everyone in the Golden Trojans would like to have that game back against uh, – against South Portland. But as Cole mentioned, I do think the back-to-back nights played a huge factor. Yeah. That that snow delay was absolutely critical. You could tell they just looked tired coming in that Friday night game after playing Thursday night. Very tough game against Bonnie Eagle. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, as Cole said, it came down to really – the South Portland hit their shots and just TA didn't. The TA's players that needed to, like Will Davis Camary, just at some points couldn't hit their mm-hmm. shots. And it's 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 uh, I, I could tell that it's uh, upsetting to those guys to lose not only to South Portland twice but in the regional final twice. Like mm-hmm. I said this to somebody the other day is like I think that some of them would have rather lost in the state game mm-hmm. than lost in the regional final because they want even just winning the, re- the South the re- South region which mm-hmm. they dominated all year is a big accomplishment. So yeah. something that they uh, they missed uh, for the second year in a row. Um, but as Cole said, uh, we have that that shot in the Bonnie Eagle game. Will Davies hits a long two. As the buzzer expires uh, to win the game, the shot, as it's been looked upon many times, uh, it looked like he did get the shot off before uh, the red ring around the uh, backboard um, went off. I've heard from multiple people that the horn was the actual what 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 they should have the refs were going off of, and they didn't hear the horn in time, so that's what they were going off of. But uh, a lot of debate on whether or not the shot counted. What do you think about the whole situation, Cole? And in, in in what um, and what happened? First of all, incredible game. Just back and forth. I've never seen anything like it. Mm. The back and forth from both teams, the high-level shot making on both sides. Will Davies on one end gets an and one. Elliot Bouchard does the same thing on the other end. And then the controversy on the final play takes away from how great of a play it was. You have 1.3 seconds left, and Trey makes an incredible pass, mm-hmm. and Will mm-hmm. just goes up through multiple defenders and like high points the ball like a receiver, makes an incredible catch, puts it on the floor, gets it up, and it goes in. That is such an incredible shot, and of course nobody's going to talk about that because of the controversy. But it's a lot of confusion because think about how hard the ref's job is there. The refs can't really be watching the – the backboard and the red light and then Mm -hmm. will's hand at the same time Mm -hmm. so what they're doing is they're listening for the horn and like you just explained the horn is kind of synced up with the clock on the jumbotron and so the the backboard clock isn't really synced up with yeah you know you know what i mean but um so the refs have an incredibly tough job and i know they've gotten a lot of criticism but it's a tough call to make and unfortunate for both sides um because ta maybe they shouldn't have won bonnie eagle maybe they you know but um it's all in the past. South Portland's moving on. Neither of those teams made a run. Mm-hmm. But just crazy for it to get the national recognition that it did. Yeah, it's been on Sports Center on Monday yeah. morning, which was unbelievable. Uh, it was obviously blew up virally on Twitter uh, and social media over the weekend too. Um, you know, but like Cole said, it's like where Will is touching the ball, mm-hmm. and we agree obviously that the light had gone off. It says zero yeah. on the clock, but it's like from that point where he's touching it in that freeze frame to when it was actually released. You're talking like milliseconds it it is it is like a fraction of a fraction of a second so yes obviously in hindsight looking back on it it shouldn't have counted if you're looking at those still images but again in the moment as cole said perfectly it's such a tough judgment call um the other thing too you know obviously that brings up the conversation of instant replay in main high school sports you know should that be a thing that was obviously one of the big debated items here in the last few days um i don't think we're at a point technologically yet to implement that i mean it certainly would create disadvantages um, at certain sites where there there was replay or wasn't replay um, certainly maybe it's only a tournament thing 
you know, in the playoffs. Um, obviously, I don't think that could be implemented at any level at high school gyms. Um, but certainly even then, that opens up a whole new can of worms of like, well, what is reviewable? And like, then you have to train the officials on that. It, it's a whole new situation. So like I said, I, I think sports are all about judgment calls. It's, it's bang, bang stuff. Um, and that just happened to be a, a major one that ended up gaining traction at the end of a game. And I always like to think too, though, it's like that one call didn't signify necessarily how that game went. You know, there was yeah. a bunch of other calls in the other 32 minutes leading up to that moment. So certainly, again, very uh, much talked about, uh, very debated. Uh, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe debate brings up some changes that could be implemented next year. But certainly, uh, again, TA uh, benefited that night. But it, like you said, Zach, perfectly, you know, neither team moved on in the end. Yeah. We look over at girls basketball also lost in the regional final. Um, to me, this was the most the, or the more uh, disappointing loss because the girls, you know, we talked mm -hmm. about the boys pretty much, you know, dominating in class AA South. The girls, it, there's no word for it. They just, yeah. they, they, they ran through every team. They mm -hmm. steamrolled mm -hmm. every team. And they get to a game like this. And I will say they didn't play terrible during most of the game. But in the last minute or so when they needed big buckets, they just couldn't get them. Yep. Missing, you know, layups. You know, taking shots that didn't need to go. I mean, you're up like four or five points, and you're you're forcing possessions you don't need to, to make. Um, what did you think about the end of, the, uh, of that game? It's pretty unexplainable, to be honest. They lose to Gorham three times in the regular season. Gorham was nine and nine, which just shows you how kind of weak Class AA South was. Besides mm -hmm. TA, um, and they lose three times in the regular season. The hoops for hope game. You of mean course, they, you mean they beat them three times? In the regular they season? beat them. Yeah. Yes, they beat them three times in the regular season including one by 34 points, yep. you have to think maybe it brings up the discussion of a lot of teams got swept in the regular season and then got the other team back. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're saving something like a defense. Um, and I know Gorham's coach is a really good coach. He mm -hmm. coached a lot of state championship teams. Maybe he saw something from those regular season matchups and just exploited it in the playoffs. I know uh, on the boys' side, Portland kind of defended Tegan Pelletier a lot differently than yep. they did in the regular season, and that's what kind of helped them beat Oxford Hills. So it's kind of like that, but it's tough to explain how dominant the girls were. And they had all the pieces. It was their year. They were just stacked from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get couldn't get it done. And next year they'll come back with a great duo of yep. Addison Sulikowski as a senior and Kylie Lamson with another year of improvement. So they'll be good next year, but this year was definitely their year, and it's a disappointing way to go out. Yeah, it uh, perfectly said, Cole. It was just really tough because, like you said, Zach, too, at the opening of this segment, it's like TA could have just held the ball. It's like they had the ball with like 45 seconds left, and they were up, and they decided to force a shot. It's like yep. you didn't have to do that. There's no shot clock in Maine basketball. So it, they didn't have to do that. And then, obviously, we, we know how things went with Gorham going down and scoring and ended up winning by three. So, again, very disappointing for Coach Marston and his team. Uh, certainly they were, as we said, the proverbial favorites heading into the tournament. They looked really good. I mean, they were up in the fourth quarter. They went into the fourth quarter winning, and they looked pretty good through most of the fourth quarter. It just at the end uh, kind of just fell apart there. Um, you know, it's interesting because it's like basketball is always games of runs, whether it's at the high school level or in the NBA, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, you know, Gorm just caught fire at the that last minute. And certainly, uh, again, TA, as we said, you know, very stacked team this year. It looked like they had all the piecing to get to the state game at the very least. And then from there, who knows, it's anyone's game. But certainly, uh, again, a, a very good season for them, though. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, yes, it's disappointing they lost. But again, a lot to, lot to celebrate for that team this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, after getting to see uh, Oxford Hills, who beat Chevrolet in double overtime uh, in the Class AA North uh, Regional Final, 
I, I will say I can say this with confidence that both Gorman and TA would have had a really tough mm. time being that Oxford Hills yeah. team. Yeah. Sierra Carson, Ala Palatier, who lead that team, they're just so good. Mm. It's just it's the team is so great. So I think my my pick is Oxford Hills to win this one. I, sure, I, I sure. just yep. don't think Gorms has it, but um, a tough way to end um, their season. We will finish up talking about TA sports. Uh, well, first, we will uh, give you some updates on swimming and indoor track. Um, their seasons are kind of at the end right now. States uh, happen for both. Yep. For swimming, uh, the for the boys swimming team, Sebastian Shields won a state championship, and the girls um, won the Southwesterns the first time ever, which That's is awesome. uh, pretty pretty exciting and a, a nice feat for them. For indoor track, um, Maya Judice uh, won a state championship in pole vault. She also set the re- TA record in the event at 10 feet and 10 inches. I mm. can't even imagine somebody getting up that high and 10 feet <laughs> nope. in the air. I, I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> Um, so great, great uh, individual uh, performances for swimming and indoor track, and obviously uh, great seasons as well for them. And now we will talk about boys hockey, who are the only team left in mm. any kind of playoff contention. They're the number two seed in Class A with a matchup against the number seven Marshwood Noble Nighthawks on tomorrow. Or yes, yeah, tomorrow, yeah, Friday night at six fifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot the time there. It is going to be our final winter sports broadcast on TATV. Mm-hmm. Cole and Josh and I will all be there, which yep. will be nice and exciting, as well as Troy Bolduck. Can't forget Troy. But let, let's talk about boys hockey real quick. I mean, number two in class, they only lost um, uh, the only the only team above them found what they lost to twice, which were two unfortunate losses. But this team looks really good heading into the playoffs. A matchup like this should be a, a pretty solid win. But uh, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Josh. Last year, uh, the boys team played Mount Ararat in mm. the prelim game. Mount Ararat not a- not great, not great at all. Not not a terrible team. <laughs> And they only beat them 3-1, and they had to score late to win that game. Yeah, that so, was a battle. I remember yeah. we broadcasted that game, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so well, what do you think about this matchup on Friday against Marshwood? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, in hockey especially, it's like if, if you have a hot goaltender, you know, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of saw that a little bit last year with Mount Ararat. Their goalie like, literally stood on his head for that, yeah. that whole game. That's what made it so close. T.A. was getting shot after shot off, but he was a big dude that just blocked everything. Um, you know, for T.A., that's, that's going to be the key to success here in the playoffs. Um, we saw that last year, too, with Scarborough was the seven seed, I believe, in the playoffs and they ended up winning the state title over TA. Yep. Um, so again, as long as the goalie play is solid, TA could advance very far. They should advance very far. Again, a regional final appearance for them should be absolutely at a bare minimum their goal versus, you know, they probably should be back in the state title. They have the pedigree. They have the players back from that team last year. So they have a lot of pieces. It's just, can they put it all together here? And I, and I think they can, I, I feel really confident. It seemed like talking to some of the guys this week uh, in, you know, informally that they're pretty excited. They've got all the blonde hair now they've cut it <laughs> all. So they're in the mood. They're excited. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, that again, they can put all those pieces together tomorrow, starting tomorrow night. Yeah, and, and there's less te- teams this year, so mm-hmm. they'll have to play, I believe, one less game to get yep. back mm-hmm. to the state championship. Yep, They've had some ups and downs this year. They've uh, had a short losing streak in the middle of the season, but overall they're a very good team, and if yep. they can play well defensively, I don't think they should have any problem with Marshwood. Then it sets up a matchup with either Scarborough or South Portland. Mm-hmm. I think South Portland would probably win, and those two teams split on the regular season, but I would still probably give TA the advantage. And we're looking really far down the road, but a Falmouth TA state championship would be a tough task for TA, but just to get back to that state championship is something that I certainly think they could do if they play well. Absolutely. I agree. And Cole, you bring up a good point. I mean, does it at this point, can we are we pretty sure it'll be Falmouth TA? I mean, looking at these teams, both Falmouth and TA have have beaten um the teams it once or twice that they could possibly um, match up against. I mean, is Falmouth versus TA kind of Falmouth, a sure bet now? Falmouth is a wagon. They yeah. are mm. so good. 
but I, I don't know about TA. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be a I think it'll be a solid uh, series for them. Again, quarterfinal matchup on Friday, and then next Tuesday will be their semifinal matchup. I'm not sure who it'll be against yet, but once we do, we'll we'll be plugging that uh, as we can. And now let's move over to our pro sports segment, and we can't talk about any other team or sport <laughs> than the Boston Bruins. You've been uh, waiting all day for this. I, yeah, I mean, th- this is the, one of the only times we've ever really recorded uh, later in the day. We usually do it in the mornings, and so it's actually the, the best thing that happened because thing. Yes. lots of things happened today. I'm going to go through a couple of things. I'm going to list off some trades, and then I want you guys to just give me a grade, A mm-hmm. plus to F, on what yes. where you think this is for Boston. So um, it, uh, if you are un- unaware, Boston is the best team in the NHL by 10 points. This is the time of year during the trade deadline where teams uh, beef up their rosters. Uh, as they head into uh, some some playoff runs. So earlier, a couple weeks ago, uh, about a week and a half ago, the Bruins added Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orlov, two solid guys who have playoff experience. They traded for they traded that for a first round pick next year, a second round pick, a third and a fourth in the next couple of years, and Craig Smith, which was a salary cap dump. Then today, uh, after hearing of some injuries to Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno, they traded for Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, for a first-round pick in 2024, which is top 10 protected, which mm-hmm. has some, some significance to it, and a fourth-round pick in 2025. And then right after that, they re-signed David Pasternak to an eight-year, $11.25 million contract. I wish I was making $11.25 million a year. That would be insane. So give me some, give me the grades you think uh, of these these two trades and then what you think about uh, the, the re-signing of David Pasternak. Absolutely. So Hathaway and Orlov, love that trade. That's an A. Hathaway is from Kenny Monkport, by the way, so yes. local main guy, so that's awesome. Um, Orloff's done awesome so far. He's had two goals, two assists, so he's he's playing great in the first couple of games. Uh, again, they gave up a lot of picks, but again, for picks, like I don't, I I don't really care about picks. It's like yep. you know, it's like you don't know what's going to happen with picks. It's like or you get two guys, proven NHL vets that can do it right now in this run that we're on. It's like absolutely lock that up. Um, Pertuzzi, I thought the first was a bit much. Um, and a fourth, he's an unrestricted free agent this, this summer. So I don't know if they're gonna be able to resign him. Yep. I, I think that's a rental. Um, and they're paying a steep price for him, but you know what, if it brings a cup, you know what, that's the price of a rental. Um, and then the pasta resigning, Oh, it, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, I, I guarantee Don Sweeney wished they could have secured him during this off season, yep. like prior off season that we just had, because his value has only gone up right now. He's second in the NHL in points only to Connor McDavid. And mm-hmm. certainly uh, his value has only skyrocketed. Um, the average AV is, is 11.25 million, as you said, but yep. as we looked at the salary cap breakdown today, it's like, I think the hit next year is like 13 mil for yep. the next two years after this. So it's going to be a lot of salary for one player. And then, and again, there's a hard cap in the NHL. So it's going to be tough. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to construct the rest of the roster next year. Obviously, you know, Bergeron and, uh, Krejci are going to come off the books. They're both going to retire, it looks like. So certainly that will free up some money. But uh, they're going to have to get creative uh, moving forwards. But, uh, again, I love all three. I think for the grade, I don't think I graded Pertuzzi. Uh, I give that a B. Yep. And then Pasta, that's a that's an A-. minus. <laughs> Should have been an A, but uh, yeah. A-. Cole, I know, I know you're not. <laughs> see, Cole's like, yes. See, I, I, I have to give you credit <laughs> because. No, I, I like that the Bruins are going all in because yeah. it seems like they were in no man's land. Like they kind of lost in the first or second round every year. So they had to change something up. So yeah. I have no idea what the moves mean, but I like that they're making <laughs> See, moves. I, I like that you're honest, yeah, Cole. <laughs> I, will, I will say I understand, you know, not knowing these players or, or you know, how much the, the, the picks are, are cost or how much the, their, their value is. But I want to give you credit because. Over the last year or so, your hockey knowledge has mm-hmm. increased 
so much. And you've actually put some some time in to, you know, to catch yourself up on, you know, where teams are in the standings or where the Bruins are and whatnot. So even though you may not know as much about this, um, I appreciate your your enthusiasm to give an answer. But I'll give you a question that, that maybe uh, is a little bit more general. So Pashanok signs uh, eight years for $11.25 million. What do you think about – so I don't know if you know this, but basically they can um, – teams can, like, they, like they're doing now, Pashanok will be paid $13 million in the first couple of years of his contract and then paid less later in um later in the years on his deal so he'll be pay- paying like nine million for him later what do you think about teams being able to do that do you think that's that's a that's a fair thing do you think it's a, it's a smart thing to do or you think they should just keep it flat and do whatever the value is over the how many years i think it's interesting and i don't see the problem with it how old's Pasternak? like he's 27 right right in the middle of his prime so you pay him less money as his career kind of winds down mm-hmm. I, I think that's mm-hmm. good yeah i'm only in favor of it if the player can't be cut so for instance like it wouldn't work before like if you could cut the player and be like don't put all of his salary at the end of the deal so some i know the nhl used to do that before like um Oh, who am I thinking of? The Devils did it. They were the first ones to really be egregious. Um, uh, it was, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. Ilya Kovalchuk. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that was yeah. that was that's what was like the tipping point. We we're like, okay, time out. Like you yep. can't manipulate the contract, the AAV like that. So, uh, but since then, since they figured that out, uh, I, I think it's it's fair. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we'll move on to talk some NBA now. Uh, I, this might have happened a couple weeks ago, but I've been seeing it on social media a little bit more. Um, I think it was during All-Star break. Maybe it was a little bit before then. Anthony Edwards had a post-game press conference where he was asked if he could change one thing in the NBA, what would he change? Mm-hmm. And he pretty pretty out there like quickly said that he doesn't like um, that players will sit and rest. He doesn't mm-hmm. like that players will uh, not play sometimes or take a day off. And he, his reason was is similar to something that I think I've seen Michael Jordan used to mm-hmm. say when he was playing that he he always wanted to perform every night at his best level for the one fan that's coming to see him from yep. hundreds of miles away. And yep. Anthony Edwards pretty similarly said, you know, you never know when there's going to be someone who's never seen me play in the in the stands and I think we should do it for the fans and, and mm-hmm. so and and stuff like that. So I just want to get your thoughts. What do you think about that? Do you think that sitting players is something in the NBA that needs to happen because of injuries or do you think that do you agree with him? Do you think that players should play as much as they possibly can? I think they should play as much as they can and not just the NBA. I think every sport, um, you know, case in point, like I actually bought some Red Sox tickets the other day and I bought them for a Sunday game because mm-hmm. it's easier for my kids to go in the afternoon. Yep. But Sunday games in the MLB are notorious for players just taking it off because it's usually a travel day after mm-hmm. the game. They travel to another city and they don't like to play Saturday night and then wake back up again and do it again. So that's like their load management day. So I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't know if I should buy tickets for this game or not. And But the same is true in the NBA. Um, Charles Barkley may, had some pretty critical comments about it after Anthony Edwards. And Barkley had some really good thoughts on like, you, you're getting paid in upwards of tens of millions of dollars. You technically you can't go play basketball for yep. 48 minutes. Um, and again, we, we don't want anyone to go out there if they're actually hurt. I, yes. And I think that's, you know, not what we're suggesting. But, you know, some of these guys are like literally just taking – days and weeks off because they're like oh you know i'm a little sore but it's and that's what charles was saying he's like you're gonna have bangs and bruises and you're gonna be muscle strains but it's like at what point is it like okay you know you're, you're starting to hurt you know not only your team but the league's image with fans as yep. you said um it's i think it's a huge issue and certainly it's not cheap to go to any pro sports game anymore i think we all can agree with that mm-hmm. so you know shelling out hundreds of dollars for a family of four to go and then all of a sudden like three players don't play just because eh, they're, they're tired like yeah. 
I just personally, as a fan, am kind of offended by that. Um, and I think, you know, Adam Silver and any league commissioner have to be really conscientious of that. I think the only league that obviously avoids that is the NFL, except for, of course, week 18. We know yeah. that's when teams usually rest players for playoffs. But other than that, that, that league doesn't have that issue. Baseball has it. Like I said, Sundays are notorious for it or any travel day are notorious for it. Um, obviously, in the NBA, we're talking about it. You know, NHL not as much you know maybe yeah. on back-to-back nights you know they'll, they'll obviously structure that but um the nba's definitely got a it, it can be a pr nightmare if they don't address it sooner rather than later and i'm not sure how to address it you know maybe it's like they don't get paid their salary that yeah. night you know maybe, maybe yeah. that's it. it's like well it's not you're injured it's just your load management so maybe that's the solution yeah yeah it's a grind the season is a grind mm-hmm. and uh you gotta just go out there and um i mean I've I haven't really talked about this on the air I think but I've watched much less of the NBA than I have in past years because I don't really think the regular season matters a whole mm-hmm. lot and I'm into college mm-hmm. basketball which I know you and Mr. <laughs> Christian Barry aren't really on board with the whole college basketball uh, thing but I just think there's more urgency and the NBA especially like the first three quarters of a regular season game it's just a lot of guys running around sloppy defense uh, I hate to turn this into a broader thing about the NBA, but I just think there's a lot of problems with it, and load load management is just one of those problems. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're getting paid millions of dollars. It's a grind. Go out there and play. And uh, It can be a tough job to compete at that level, but with the amount of money that these guys are getting paid, if you have a minor injury like back soreness, I know Ben Simmons has that like every night. <laughs> out, but, um, yeah, I definitely think it's a problem. And, and, and the point that um – you made Josh is that you know with the NFL it's a little bit different and I think as a fan it's pretty clear that if your team is in in the playoffs mm-hmm. they're gonna sit some of their guys before mm-hmm. the playoffs it, that that's like pretty common knowledge yeah but like when you look at these NBA or even MLB like these guys just randomly sitting out because yeah. they don't feel they're tired or they don't feel like playing that night or they've played a couple a lot of games in a week like you know that it, that happens that's the scheduling like it's it, i know some some leagues like the nhl scheduling can be a nightmare sometimes but yep. it's the way that it works you're right. paid that's what you're paid yeah. to do so sometimes you just have to suck it up and, and, yep. and play it was it was crazy like real quick it's like i went to the first nets uh celtics playoff game last year in boston and like i watched ben simmons warm up and i was courtside watching it and like he was going like through the hardest workout i've ever seen in my life and i was like how can this guy not be playing yeah. in the next hour? I'm yeah. like, he just went through an intense workout and he was perfectly fine. And like, like that, like that kind of stuff. Like I know he was obviously going through some other issues last year, but it's like that that's and like some of these guys who warm up before the game too. And then they're like, oh, I'm not going to play. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, like KD, like, could he not have played for the Suns before last night? Like yeah. he probably could have played. But one more thing to add to that is the whole play in thing. means there's less urgency in the regular season. And so you're not right. as absolutely, you're not as, inclined to go yes. out there and yep. fight for a playoff spot when you know oh, we can get the play in even mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. we still have a chance for the nine or ten seed that's the only thing i'm worried about with the celtics this year it's like they've they've been so good for so long it's like i think what will happen what happened last year it's like they burnt out by june yep. they were just so tired yeah, maybe yeah we'll finish up this episode by talking about the mlb pitch clock now i, I see here I, I don't know if this is cole or, or i added this you added this. <laughs> so about the red sox game that ended on an automatic third strike due to, to due to the batter not being ready within eight seconds. I had no idea um, that that was uh, that happened yesterday. Yep. So it ended up in a, in a six six tie. But this MLB pitch clock is I think it's the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> I don't I understand that like sometimes pitchers take way too long, but to to restrict somebody to a certain amount of time, it I don't know. It's it's quick. If you've been to a minor league game recently in the last couple of yeah. years, they've been doing it in all the minors. So yep. it's not 
so some of these guys have been brought up with it the younger guys mm-hmm. um it was it was wild it was the red sox braves game and it ended bases loaded three two count two yeah. outs game ended because the batter was not in the umpire's opinion and again that's the other part of this it's the opinion of the home plate umpire yeah. whether or not they're quote-unquote ready um the rule is the batter's eyes have to be looking forward he has to have his front foot in the box yep. and he's prepared to basically swing and according to this umpire that wasn't what he was doing with, so with eight seconds left. with eight yeah. seconds remaining in the pitch clock and with runners on base the pitch clock is 20 seconds so basically from the time the last pitch is delivered he has 12 seconds to basically reset and get back in the box and be facing forward uh for the next pitch um it was kind of crazy it was i i saw the highlights on twitter twitter kind of blew up with it but um I, you know the the research shows that the pitch clock in the minors cuts about a half hour off of each game time that's what mlb needs they they need shorter games and so mm-hmm. it, it it'll probably end up being about i am guesstimate about two and a half to maybe a three hour game but they want to be right around that two and a half hour average because baseball is a little long in some cases so um it's an interesting thing um i know pitchers are the ones who are probably going to struggle with it a little bit more because they're probably going to tire out a little faster they're going to have to work a lot faster so um again management of the bullpens will be even more critical this next year or this year actually so i don't know it it definitely goes against purism um i'll say that (laughs) it's a weird thing to see um but me going to some sea dogs games the last few years i've seen it in person and i from a fan's perspective i really didn't notice any difference Me, me neither and i like it because People are surprised that there's going to be an adjustment. People were outraged over the Red Sox-Braves ending and a lot of these strikeouts or balls or walks or whatever. Like, of course there's going to be an adjustment when you put Mm -hmm. in a rule like this, but that's what spring training's for. You get used to it. Then the regular season, I think I I heard somebody, I I forget who it was, talking about how in the minors last year it was down to like a half a violation per game because Mm -hmm. the guys were just used to it. In my opinion, 15 (laughs) seconds is too short, though. I think it should be 20 seconds, and then I think either with runners on base or runners in scoring position, it should be 25 seconds, which yeah. I know is pretty long, but it we could have a little bit more leniency when it mm-hmm. comes to that. It mm-hmm. doesn't need to be throw the pitch, throw the pitch, move as fast as you can. Just cut out these 40 seconds in between pitches. That was yeah. the real problem with the MLB, and it's going to be an adjustment for the players, uh, espe- the batters as well. It's not just yeah. the pitchers. The batters are going to yeah. have to get in the box as well. The other thing is the shift. Uh, mm. They banned the shift, so you have to have at least two uh, two players on each side of second base. I don't really understand that. It seems kind of unfair to me. It's a, it's a defensive strategy. I mean, it's like saying you can't blitz on third down. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if you're a major league hitter and you can't hit opposite field, what are you doing in the batter's box? Yeah, That's always been my opinion. Like, yeah. if they're shifting and there's literally no one even playing the third baseline, drop a bunt. Like yeah. put the ball in play. Like that's that's on you as the hitter. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, if you just keep pulling, like I'm sorry, you're gonna get out. It's <laughs> yeah. a defensive strategy, right? Yeah. And and the the other thing, I'm a little bit. I'm glad you said that about the shift. It's like I'm more mad about the size of the bases being larger. It's like <laughs> oh, I did see that. Yeah, they they made bigger bases so there was less distance between the yeah. base pass so you could steal more. And it's not even like it's like I, I it's, they, not, they it's try, not even like sh- a quarter of an inch. It's it's it's, it's, it's a lot. It's yeah, huge. They it's a lot. Like it as yeah. a safety thing. So it's that not the, safety. That the feet don't <laughs> yeah, get Yeah, that's ridiculous. Up. No, it creates shorter yeah. distances between base pass, and I don't like that. It's like you're you're literally going to have to go across America and replace every single base pass in America. Yeah, that like you think about that. Like at TA, we need to replace the bases. Yeah. Or there needs to be a rule change because we're not playing with Major League Baseball, regular baseball size bases now. So 
what yeah. are we gonna do about that? So it's like that. That's the trickle down effect. So, but, uh, but I don't know. Back to the pitch clock. I mean, I can definitely see what you guys are saying when it comes to it being a fan. Thirty minutes less of a game makes it more exciting, or I'm mm. more likely to watch a full game. Yeah. But I just don't. I don't know. It, we'll get we'll get used to it. Yeah, I, I, and I think I think the players will too. I, I don't know if, if maybe I'm just uh, not not informed or haven't been paying attention as much. But um, in my opinion, this kind of came out of nowhere. I, I don't know if this has been coming for a couple of years, but I had no idea that they were adding this clock until they added it in in the summer. So I, I will or, say the one thing that baseball does a really good job is using the minor leagues as a t- testing system. Okay. Um, they they've been testing this for years and years and years. Okay. The next thing to come, Zach, this will really blow your mind, is uh, robot umpires. That is happening. That is happening. They're as, already, in, they're, as in like actual it is phys- just decided physical by, robots? Or it, like- it's decided by a computer, and the oh, umpire God. behind the plate just relays whatever the computer says to them. Do you think that that will be better for the um, game? I no, we'll, I don't. I don't. We'll get to it when it comes. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get there. In the, but they're doing it this year in the minors. Oh, so it's already, it's already happening. They so. are? Yes. So not, not, so- not every minor league, but certain leagues are testing it. So that is coming down the road. And then the umpire behind the play is basically just like a uh, moderator, more or less, just like helping to officiate. But oh, so there'll still be there'll still be a guy behind the plate, but he's just going to relay what the pitch was. All right, ball or strike. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for episode forty-three of Trojan Talk. I want to thank Cole and Josh for joining us for this episode. We hope you like the new template that we are implementing here. Um, Trying to change it up a little bit. Not that uh, it it was bad when Jeff was here, but. We just, you know, shout out, shout out to Jeff there. Yeah, we, yeah. we just, you know, we thought it was time for some change um, and, and maybe something just to do something new because why, why not the just con- yeah, continue yep. to update and, and be creative. But, again, we want to thank you all for watching, and we will try to get back into a weekly or biweekly schedule. Yep. Again, it's been a really crazy with winter sports, but as they're mm-hmm. ending, weekly should be our, our back to our old schedule. So that will do it for Episode 43. Thank you all for watching, and have a good week.